0: who passed webbing straps under the coffin. It soon became obvious that a man who had devoted his life to theatre was being buried without any theatre at all. As the body was lowered into the grave, Caseby tried to identify the family and close friends who lined up to toss handfuls of soil onto the coffin. The mourners were led by Weigel and a daughter from Breck's first marriage, who were followed by the children from his second marriage. Catesby also managed to identify two of Breck's girlfriends who seemed on perfectly good terms with Helen Weigel. Catesby envied them all. They could be what they were. They could even flaunt it. Humint, human intelligence, was an important part of Catesby's job. It meant watching people. The day before the funeral Catesby had spent twelve hours going through photograph files. Catesby had a trick to help remember which names belonged to which faces. He created animal familiars based on their looks. Freydrun the ferret, Helmut the hare, Renata, rabbit, Walter, vole, and so on. The faces in the files were who's who of anyone who was anyone in the Eastern Bloc. Sometimes the faces visited Catesby in his dreams, but not as humans. The previous night, Catesby's world had transformed into a woodland where pigling bland and flopsy bunnies were trying to kidnap the fierce bad rabbit. Catesby suddenly woke and remembered something. That's what they were trying to do to kit Fournier. He wondered when they were going to call him back to London. If the usual crowd didn't get Fournier and break him, they'd give him a bash. Catesby had kitted himself for the funeral with a pinhole covert surveillance camera. He needed to take pictures for updating the photo files or for adding new faces. The tiny camera lens was located in his lapel buttonhole, and he operated the shutter by pressing on his belt buckle. Catesby thought that, since it was a funeral, he would spend a lot of time with his hands solemnly folded in front of him. He thought that touching his belt buckle would look less obvious than scratching or having a hand in his pocket. But after a few snaps, he became aware that a female Swedish diplomat was looking at him in an odd way. Catesby avoided eye contact. God only knows what the woman was thinking. He quickly removed his hands from his midriff. The Swede continued staring and tightened her mouth. Catesby watched as the last of Breck's inner circle approached the grave. The sandy soil of Berlin was so light that it trickled through the fingers of each mourner. The thin soil reminded Catesby of Operation Stopwatch. Together with the CIA they had dug a thousand-yard-long tunnel into East Berlin to tap the telephone lines leading to Soviet military headquarters. Catesby had been to the tunnel to help the technical staff decipher the German telephone engineering manual they were using to differentiate various cables. The beige, sandy soil had reminded Catesby of the sand cliffs of Cove Hythe in his native Suffolk. He rubbed the fine sand between his fingertips and said, "'That's all going to fall into the sea, you know, just like Cove Hithe. The technicians ignored his comment, but less than a year later Soviet troops burst through the roof and the monitoring staff had to run for their lives. The tunnel had been betrayed. As the last mourner walked away from Breck's grave, the delegations began to disperse and mix with one another. Catesby watched the UK ambassador shake hands with Helen Weigel, who was elegantly composed and at ease. Walter Ulbricht, the leader of the East German government, was already walking towards his Zil limousine. Catesby could see the ambassador talking to the security officer, a lumpy, retired Glaswegian cop. Presumably the ambassador wanted to make a quick getaway and was wondering how they were going to get the humbers through the crowd. The cars and their drivers had been requisitioned from British military headquarters to ferry them from the Tempelhof airport. Kitsby reckoned they were stuck for a long time. The East Berlin Vopos, who could have cleared away with their lumpy vulgar patrol cars, had disappeared. On the other side of the cemetery wall, various groups had begun to sing Brechtweil songs. The funeral had turned into celebration. A woman with a deep voice was singing the Alabama song in a broad Berliner accent. "'Oh, moon of Alabama, we now must say goodbye. "'We've lost our good old mama and must have whiskey. "'Oh, you know why.' "'Catesby wouldn't have minded a drink himself. "'Standing around these things could be awfully boring. "'Suddenly there was a voice next to him. "'I think I know you from somewhere. "'London, perhaps.' "'The speaker was obviously German, "'but spoke English with an American accent.' He was a short, balding man who looked about sixty. He was exactly the sort of nondescript person who passes unnoticed in a crowd, or even alone. The ideal spy. Catesby recognised the face from one of the files, and from somewhere else too, but the man's name fluttered around the edge of his consciousness like an elusive...